Hi, my name is Jamin. And I'm Rebecca. And this is Late, Late to, to the, the Watch, Watch Party. Party. Shh. The movie's starting. Welcome back to another episode of Late to the Watch Party. I am Rebecca, joined... <laughs> By my co-host Jamin. Jamin, thank you for thank you for coming on to my podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. You're welcome. Jamin, how have you been? What have you been up to since we last heard from you on Force Gump? I mean, much of the same, just work and sleep and work and sleep. But I did dye my hair a couple nights ago. It is now red. I know you guys were super attached to the way that you could see it before. <laughs> it used to be light brown. But now it's red, <laughs> and it looks great. It and I saw Jordan Peele's Nope. That's right. I did enjoy it. I went into it expecting one thing, and I don't know if you could go in expecting what is in the movie. Mm-hmm. Also, oh, hold on. Quick soapbox. I go to the movies. Guys, I'm an AMC A-list subscriber. I go to the movies all the time. Just to disassociate half the time. So I have a lot of opinions about theater etiquette. And here's what I don't support, just in general, is showing up, is scheduling it so that you show up after the trailers. I think that's stupid. Partially because I like the trailers. But also, it's risky. And so there's people, I was keeping track, there was people showing up for the first time 25 minutes into the movie. You've missed so much at that point because that means with the trailers, they are 55 minutes late because those trailers are like 30 minutes long. They are nearly an hour post showtime and they're showing up for the first time finding their seats. That's the first issue. It like, like it, it like makes me mad. Here's the other issue is the amount of people who walk into a theater auditorium apparently for the first time ever. <laughs> they've, they've never ever seen assigned seats before in their life. <laughs> the, every time I go to like any opening night, I see at least one couple who comes in and is absolutely flabbergasted. They walk in and they like walk all the way up the stairs and then come back down because they're like, where's row J? <laughs> well, it's alphabetical. There's huge letters on the floor, mm. but it's like, the, it's like, how is it that like so many people, every premiere I go to come in and it's multiple couples that will come in and they're like looking at their phones and they're talking to each other and the wife is always disagreeing and she's always like no it's it's Roger and then they're like looking over the crowd and it's like guys pull it together this is not difficult to find your seat <laughs> amateur hour this is not when Nicole Kidman comes out every movie to preach to us about that's all Rebecca what's new with you uh, well, first, I need to respond to what you just said, because if any of the listeners there felt like that was a little bit aggressive towards the viewers who like to miss a couple of previews, I am here for you and I support you. But I do agree with Jamin. If you are running an hour late, you've missed it. I always try to get in there about 15 minutes after quote unquote showtime. And even then, I usually make most of the previews. Like there are a I lot of trailers in trailer time. I still don't support that lifestyle. 
But I know where I'm going and I know how assigned seats work. I'm not making a scene. You've only got one strike. There's no strikes. I can get there whenever I want before the movie starts. That is my Because I think what makes more sense to me is if you're trying to avoid trailers, show up, find your seats, get your lay of the land, and then go like chill somewhere. What if there's only three trailers? What if it's a horror movie and they don't have any trailers to show? Sometimes there's not a lot. Sometimes there's so many. True. It just depends on the movie, I think. It's the same as like, it's what I've done. Whenever there's a trailer I don't want to see because I've seen enough and I don't want anything spoiled is I'll just step out of the theater for it. And I'll just peek back in and be like, oh, has the movie started? But wouldn't that arguably be more distracting to leave and then come back rather than just coming in? The issue is not that it's distracting. Then what's your deal? The issue... The issue is that they're missing the movie. But if they're not missing the movie... I think it's stupid. <laughs> okay. Then we're at an impasse and we're going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that's all. Yeah, I have had a week, lots of work, fun, fun incident with a customer in the store who caused a scene, following which I reconsidered even working there at all and have started the conversation about a transfer of locations and I'm currently waiting on management to get that ball rolling, which if they do not, I will politely be moving on from that establishment. You heard it here first. Okay, I guess without further... Oh, God, by the way, we watched Napoleon Dynamite this week. (laughs) (laughs) This was... A movie where Rebecca had not seen yes. it, but I had seen it. I was kind of raised on this movie. And I'm excited to get to these next segments because as per our usual thing, we we very vaguely, I mean, we're chatting throughout the movie and then we very vaguely say like maybe a couple things post movie, but we don't talk about mm-hmm. it in between, mm-hmm. which when we were designing this podcast, we were worried about and we've gotten really good at we it. Have. Just shutting up for a, sometimes it's like a week. <laughs> I did find myself, though, this morning when we were texting, I started to get really excited for this discussion, though. (laughs) Without further ado, guys, let's get into the preconceived notions for Napoleon Dynamite. I almost just hit hang up on the Google call for some reason rather than stopping my recording. (laughs) For the things you know and the things you... Thank you know, these are the preconceived notions. Guys, welcome to the notions that are conceived prior. I feel like the word conceived right now is too political to use. I think we should change the name of the segment. Hey guys, welcome to the the preconceived notions officially. This is the segment of the podcast. You all know it and love it. This is where we share what we know going into the movie. I have seen Napoleon Dynamite. And I have not. Not. I'll just say really quick because obviously I'm not going to share what I know because it's literally the movie. My family (laughs) loves this movie. Really? It's like a a big deal in our house. Like I, I watched it growing up. And there was, like, Mm. we all would, like, quote it. Like, it was, like, definitely a family affair. What do you already know about this movie, Rebecca? Okay, I know about the vote for Pedro 
shirt that I see people wear. I've seen the guy with the super curly blonde hair wearing that shirt. And I want to say he's on like a high school stage. And then I also know that there's a scene where he's talking to a llama. Those are the two things that I know. Using those clues. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm going to say that this is a show about that quirky, blonde, curly haired guy. And he is awkward because from all the pictures I've seen, he like stands really weird and he's always like slack jawed. But I know that this is a comedy, so it's probably in a funny way. I think he like doesn't have any friends. And I think that he has like a probably like a best friend who's like the opposite of him, but they're somehow best friends. So like his friend is going to have like brown straight hair and they like hang out in their mom's basement. And his friend is like trying to get him more involved or like get him more friends. And so he decides to run for class president because that's the only thing I can think of that would happen in high school where you vote. Or maybe it's prom king. And then since there's llamas, I'm going to assume that they live in like a back country, like Oklahoma type setting where there just are farm animals. Like it's a, you know, like a country school where like the radius is like a thousand miles and there's still only 200 kids in the school. And I see that it's only rated PG. So I'm guessing things stay relatively clean. But I think it's about him making friends and influencing people. And I hope he wins the election. The curly haired guy? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm assuming that's Pedro because he's the one wearing the vote for Pedro shirt that I've seen. But I guess he maybe he's not named Pedro and Pedro is someone completely different. And the plot is not at all what I think it's going to be. I'm a little bit mixing up this movie with Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which I have seen like 10 minutes of. There's probably going to be a girl. The girl is probably like impossibly hot. He probably has a crush on her and she's like literally never even noticed his existence before. Um, And then maybe by the end, she like finds him really charming or something and falls for him. And then he like rejects her at the end because now he's the one in power. But I also kind of feel like he stays his like dorky, goofy self. Does he is there like a dance at some point? Because now I'm getting a mental image of him dancing. But that could just be my imagination. I also have seen that actor... Uh, He was a guest on an episode of Critical Role, and he was hilarious. This is also a movie that I really wanted to see when I was younger, and I don't think I was allowed to, so I'm, like, very excited to finally be a part of the fun. And is the llama's name Tina? (laughs) I feel like he says, like, Tina, you fat lard, or something. (laughs) I think that's the text. On the meme. You gotta stop. <laughs> I'm so excited for this preconceived notion. <laughs> oh my god. I could take this off and you can just talk about like what you thought of the movie when you were younger. I've seen the movie multiple times. My like family loves it. The technology song. <clears throat> we would sing the technology song all the time. La Fonda. 
we would qu- like we would do like the yes all the time or we would talk about like go to the nurse's station for some chapstick she's got like six sticks in her drawer <laughs> we would just like quote this movie all the time and i can't remember i feel like there were a couple of like off-color moments that maybe would have barred Rebecca from seeing it. Um, But mostly it's just, I don't think she's ready for how... I think she's thinking of this movie as too much of a movie and too structured. And she's not prepared for the way that it's very, like, low-budget, very weird, very simple. And it's just kind of like a little coming-of-age, goofy movie. Without further ado, bada-bing, bada-boom, Napoleon Dynamite. Get it? Boom. Dynamite. All right, here we go. Anyway, bye. (laughs) Three, two, one. Play! His name is Napoleon Dynamite. I'm a little worried about the amount of shag carpets that we've seen. See, there he is. Is he wearing snow boots? Are his eyes closed? Yes. (laughs) Just borrow some from the nurse. She's got like six sticks in the drawer. (laughs) That's Pedro! And also, that guy was very racist. Did he just say the wisdom of a man? The way she ran with her arms straight at her side like a penguin. (laughs) What is going on? Jeez. (laughs) Okay, but sign language to songs had this country by the throat in the 90s. Pedro is the epitome of a passive character. Did he say T-O'd? <laughs> For ticked off. He said He said easy. easy. <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard of time travel? Yep. Oh gosh. Easy. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> I've already looked into it myself. <laughs> I can't. My favorite thing that he does is just exist in pain. I have never seen someone commit to a side ponytail like Debbie. Recorded phones and paying for minutes is really bringing me back. <laughs> Debbie cannot be referred to as anything less than an entrepreneur. <laughs> She's got side hustles. He just drives away. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> I don't know if I said this already, but I would die from Napoleon Dynamite. It's got all the right the- things. High, low, desired year. <laughs> On, off. High and low <laughs> settings, too. That's his internet girlfriend? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> that scene had no dialogue and it was perfect. <laughs> that Summer's boyfriend looks like a cross between Neil Patrick Harris and Matt Damon. I was going to say he looks like a, pa- a cross between a normal human and Frankenstein. <laughs> Here he is on the high school stage with a Vote for Pedro shirt. Is, and he's going to do a dance. I need you to know something right now that I don't think you're ready for. Okay. There's a post credit scene. <laughs> <laughs> he was holding out hope this whole time. She turned him down at the altar. <laughs> He's wearing the snow boots. He said lucky as if he did not just provide that horse. (laughs) Discussion time. And we're back. Here we are, post-Napoleon Dynamite, changed 
people for all of eternity. <laughs> Is there anything you have to get off your chest before we go any further before we get into the recap this is something that i one of the only things i mentioned right after we finished the movie i said that i laughed out loud more than i think i ever have at a movie while i was watching this it truly took my day from like a negative five to like a solid eight and a half guys fun fact we were originally scheduled to watch pulp fiction this week and we were both like Rebecca had had a long day. We weren't going to get to start till like seven my time or no seven Rebecca's time. Mm-hmm. And we then discovered Pulp Fiction is nearly three hours. And I don't know spoilers for next week's episode, but I don't know a whole lot about it. But I felt that it's kind of serious. And we were just like, we are not in the headspace for Pulp Fiction. So we switched it for Napoleon Dynamite. And clearly... Best pivot we've ever done. Right. So Rebecca has typed up a quick little recap for us. Just a little little brief tweet. Very not at all detailed or in-depth. Because the plot of this movie is very... It just like one thing happens. It is, but so, when you try to explain that one thing, it quickly becomes one of the most complicated things you've ever heard. <laughs> this is completely from memory. I did not look up a plot summary of the show. I did have to look up one character's name, but I just went to the cast and just scrolled until I saw their face. I didn't like, I'll tell you afterwards. All right. In rural Idaho, which is redundant. Our protagonist, Napoleon Dynamite, a hero in snow boots, is just doing his best. He's an awkward boy who lives with his grandma and his 32-year-old brother, Kip. He's bullied at school, and he struggles to make it through a sentence without closing his eyes. He's also in charge of keeping their pet llama alive, who he hates. But he kind of hates most things about his life, and honestly, I don't blame him. His much older brother, who lives at home, fills his days with email chats to his internet girlfriend and practicing martial arts under the masterful eye of Rex. Rex of Rex Quando. There are lots of guns. Things start to change in Napoleon's life, though, when his grandma goes on a sand dune surfing trip with her quote-unquote friends and gets injured. Uncle Rico (laughs) is called in to babysit the Dynamite Boys, and Rico packs up his camper home where he lives um, on the prairie, throwing footballs to come live at the Dynamite home. Uncle Rico is weird. He's stuck in his high school glory days, but... But he's got money on his mind and he thinks this town could be the perfect setup for a swindle. So he and Kip go into the door-to-door Tupperware business and also model ships to sweeten the deal to make some cash. Meanwhile, there's another entrepreneur in town, Deb. Deb is going door-to-door advertising (laughs) her dad's photography studio, which will only ever see her use and selling handmade keychains. After a short, unsuccessful conversation with Napoleon, an embarrassed Deb leaves her supplies at his house, and Napoleon catches a case of young love for Deb. At Rico, uh, Rico is also not the only new face here either. Pedro, the boy with the immovable face, has just moved here with his family and started attending Napoleon's school. He and Napoleon become fast friends over an afternoon of BMX stunting. There's a school dance coming up. 
And Pedro shoots for the stars, asking, asking out the hottest and most taken girl in their school, Summer. Summer doesn't want to go because she prefers her bleach bond square-headed boyfriend, Frankenstein Don, or just Don for short. After Summer declines Pedro's offer via note to Napoleon, he dares Pedro to ask out his own crush, Deb. And, like the cool cat he is, Pedro scores a date to the dance. But don't worry, Napoleon put his art skills to work and asks out Summer's best friend, who is forced to accept because her mother feels bad for him after hearing a disparaging description from Uncle Rico, who happened to be overselling Tupperware. Like I said, this is a simple plot, but it's there's lots of details to it. <laughs> uh, Napoleon buys a snazzy suit that looks absolutely incredible on him and he buys a corsage to go to the dance but there's one problem he doesn't have a ride he begs one from Uncle Rico who insists on taking him on a sales call first which goes too long Napoleon then has to try to make it on foot but is thankfully rescued by Pedro's cousins who are definitely implied gang members at the dance Napoleon's <laughs> date ditches him it's that time of a year, school president elections. And then I just have a quick note from me, Rebecca. Um, class president sounds like, like a thin veneer over a popularity contest, contest, and it feels directly harmful to a learning environment, but that's just, my com- like, that's just my commentary on schools. We as homeschoolers don't understand that. I don't that. get it. Summer is running with no competition until Napoleon suggests that Pedro run. The campaign begins. There's signs, there's pins, there's pinatas of summer getting smashed with baseball bats, but most importantly, there are threats of <laughs> violence that will be enforced by Pedro's gang cousins. Things are heating up at the Dynamite household as well. Insufferable Uncle Rico has become the ultimate foil to Napoleon, cramping his lifestyle and bullying him and Kip endlessly. Kip fuels his frustration into passionate poetry for La Fonda, his internet girlfriend, and she comes to visit him. Napoleon fuels his rage into his newfound love, hip-hop dance, and physically fights Rico in the backyard to establish his dominance over his household once again. Deb branches out her new photography business, and Pedro grows a backbone, defending his guerrilla warfare-style campaigning. Finally, it's the night of the election or the talent show. It's a little fuzzy. There are speeches and a skit. Shoot, Pedro didn't prepare a skit. Everybody hold on to your pants because Napoleon gets to show off his new insane moves to the whole school who love it. The culmination of these awkward zany kids finally see success on all fronts. Napoleon gains respect, gains respect and confidence. Pedro the passive accomplishes something with his life. Deb finds her own confidence and lets her hair out of that ponytail. Frankenstein gets an ego check and nobody looks at Summer for a whole minute. Grandma Dynamite comes back home, kicking Rico out to go live on the prairie again, and his ex returns to him. Deb and Napoleon play tetherball in the sunset. Pedro has a family picnic to celebrate his win, and Kip, with a new style that is not at all offensive or insensitive, moves away with LaFonda. Five months later, they get married in the rolling hills of Idaho and ride into the sunset on a horse that Napoleon procured for them. The end. Your memory is incredible. All of those little tie-ups at the end. Thank God we resolved Rico and his ex <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> this is a movie where so many events occur. <laughs> there are so many scenes in this movie. Every scene is like an average of two minutes long. And then there's like 8,000 of them. The trivia for this movie is one that when I was at dinner with Carson last night, he was specifically excited for because Mm -hmm. there's a few trivia facts that a lot of people who like this movie like to talk about. Mm -hmm. 
so this one was new to me, though. This first one is the film was based on a short film that Jared Hess, who made this movie, made back in 2002 with John Heater. Almost everything from the short made it into the feature film. For instance, there is a scene in the feature film where Napoleon and Pedro are at a state fair appraising cows or tasting milk. In the short, there is only one line of spoken dialogue that mentions the taste testing of milk. I completely forgot about the FAA component to this movie. <laughs> it's okay. It was That was a complete side quest. There were several I mean, side quests I left out. I mean, it was... Most of Kip and LaFonda's love story was <laughs> left out. But granted, so much of it happened off screen or... Or with, in a montage. Another fun fact, John Heater pu- permed his hair for this film. That was his um, hair? That wasn't a wig? That was his hair. Um, he's also a mo- He also was a model at one point. Fun fact. Have you seen a picture of him recently? He is not at all an ugly person. No. The film also was shot in 22 days. Okay, that I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Remember how every single shot is just face on with the person. They didn't have to like set up angles or lighting. They were just like, okay, John, we're shooting all your scenes. Get up here. Boom, 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 boom. There's a part that I th- I think I left this fun fact out that was like, this whole movie was edited in this person's house on Adobe Acrobat with like <laughs> $4,000. And I was like, I believe it. Why, did you, why is it? That's not impressive. The editing on this movie was very simple. So I don't know what you want me to do with that one. So the budget for this movie, though, was under a million dollars. It was 400000 for the movie. For the it whole really was expected- movie? For the whole movie, it was really expected to be a very small situation. Um, John Heater was paid $1,000 to play Napoleon Dynamite. <gasps> the film grossed $40 million. Please tell me he on, had like a so percentage. I, I couldn't find this in the IMDb trivia, and it's worth looking into. But as far as I've heard my whole life, he was paid that initial amount, and then all of the actors had it adjusted after the film turned out to be a huge success. Like a smash success. Yes. Okay. Like it premiered at Sundance or at some kind of film festival. Yeah. Turned out really well. Mm. And then um, Universal Studios bought it for just like $4 million. Um, I see. And then put it out there to like all of America. And it went it went fantastic. I see. I see. For Napoleon's dance routine, mm-hmm. director Jared Hess had John Heater imp- improvise and dance to three different songs. Hess then took the best moves from each song and put them in one routine using <laughs> one song. Um, <laughs> the movie, I don't think we noticed this. The movie features one of the longest credited cast lists in movie history. All 181 student extras names are listed in the closing credits. Whoa. All of them by name. I didn't notice that. We were discussing too much. We were. I don't know if you know this one. Both John Heater, who plays Napoleon, and Efren Ramirez, who plays Pedro, both of them have identical twins in real life. That I knew that about. I knew that about Napoleon. I didn't know that about um, Efren Ramirez. (laughs) Um, Another fun fact: Aaron Rule, who played Kip, had braces put on his teeth for this role. Like real braces. (laughs) Two orthodontists are thanked in the credits. The one who did it on, put it on, the one who took him off. 
I guess so. So John Grease apparently doesn't eat red meat in real life. So every time that you see Rico wiping his mouth, it's him spitting the meat out. <laughs> because his whole character trait was, was eating steak thing. this whole movie. And he's, he never swallowed it. I don't know why he doesn't eat red meat, but apparently most people misconstrued it as he's a vegetarian, mm-hmm. and that is not true. Hmm. This is the last one, and it's just kind of thought-provoking. Um, at one point, Jake Gyllenhaal was considered for the role of Napoleon. There are some people out there, there are some casting directors out there who look at Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal, and they're like, that's a nerd. I mean, he, he played, played Seymour. He played Seymour. That's exactly what I was going to say in Little Shop. What? Yeah. What? Why? I've never it's met Jake Gyllenhaal, one... but from what <laughs> I've seen, he doesn't really remind me of any of the nerds that I know. That's all of my trivia. Very fun. So w- this is, I think, the first episode where we are full-blown doing a post-preconceived notions. Yes. Where Rebecca and I, real quick, are going to listen to the segment that you guys just listened to. So we're going to do a little bit of Inception here. We're going to listen to it, and then we're going to address what Rebecca got right and wrong real quick. Okay, yeah. So we just listened to the preconceived notion <laughs> segment that you guys listened to. That was fun. That was I fun. Liked doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. I'll just say my one thing because I only made really one prediction and it did come true, which was that I felt that you were thinking of it like too much of a movie. Yeah. And you were in for a rude awakening that it's really just a conglomeration of scenes that was a big surprise there were a couple things i definitely clocked i clocked the vibes of napoleon to the t (laughs) except i did not know that his name was napoleon the shirt the shirt got me i was fooled i was fooled by the vote for pedro shirt (laughs) i'll say it i'll admit it i was also completely wrong about any involvement with a girl you know there was a girl but not at all in the way that i thought it would be i got only the hair of pedro right but not at all his character he was not a go-getter or a uh somebody who wanted napoleon to get out there if anything napoleon got pedro out there um i was right about the class president delio though that was fun yeah absolutely nailed the whole rural setting although i never would have guessed idaho mostly because i forget that idaho is a state in this country this didn't pop up in the trivia but idaho is very proud it was filmed in idaho and they are very proud of this movie they had festivals for years yeah, if I was Idaho, I would too. <laughs> I'm going to confidently say this because I'm going to confidently say we have no fans in Idaho. Um, Idahoans, if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast, prove Rebecca wrong and message the Pinterest. <laughs> Get in there, guys. Oh, and I got the Tina, you fat lard. That was word for word the quote. That came one to you from God himself, that truly one. Truly was bestowed upon me at the last possible second. <laughs> I got a vision. <laughs> I, I said did. it while we were listening to it. 
But I think your biggest misfire was just blending the characters of Pedro and Napoleon. Other yeah. Other than that. I didn't know that the character of Pedro was, like, there. Oh. That he existed. Rebecca, so it sounds like you liked it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very glad to hear that. I this is did. another one of those where it's like, I grew up on this. Like, I love this movie. I think it's so funny. Yeah. And so then when you're sharing it with someone, it's like, I get the nature of the podcast. But, you know, Mamma Mia, I respected everyone's opinions. But, you know, it's a little disappointing for people to not like something that you like. Sure. And so it's exciting that you liked this. So for the for the listeners at home, we this is such a weird movie because it has... It's just, like, it's so bizarre. So it's hard to break it down into, like, oh, these were the standout, like, scenes. Like, it's not a very story-heavy movie for us to be, like, wow, what a really well-done scene. It's just, like, a conglomerate of short films that are all very simple. And so it's just, like, each scene is worth mentioning because they're funny. So we just kind of broke it down, this discussion, into four points, which is just kind of the general tone of the movie. Any standout characters we want to discuss? Why is it good? And then just kind of the general humor that this movie has and, like, what were our favorite funny moments. Do you have initial thoughts on the tone? (laughs) It was so unlike anything I've ever seen. Although I must say there are like different styles of humor or video that I can think of or like different like TikTok channels or whatever that I'm like, oh, that's Napoleon Dynamite style. But like Mm -hmm. Napoleon Dynamite did it first. I just didn't know about the source. Yeah. And I find that style funny. So I think that I was definitely set up for success in that way. The tone is exactly napoleon like it is awkward Mm -hmm. it is brief it doesn't drag out it's like very succinct like we were saying like all of the scenes are very short i think i mentioned during the movie i was like was this script like 15 pages long because there's (laughs) no dialogue in this movie just like the existential pain of being a teenager in rural idaho i feel like is very well represented here I'm like, it's so, I don't know how to describe the movie to people Mm -hmm. other than to say it's funny. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, I don't know how to sell this movie because it's so strange. And like, there was like very little music and the music that was there was also weird. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like, it was like a little like grooving, like synthesizer that was like, it's like so like as he's like running down the road in a suit and it's like it's weird but it's it's not that what's happening on screen is that weird it's the tone is weird yeah because it's like it felt like the i don't know maybe i'll lose people with this it felt like the movie like the plot that was happening the stuff that was being said was very like normal Mm -hmm. was very real Mm mm-hmm And maybe that's why it worked, like, because it's just, like, but also, like, the camera work was done very at awkward angles. Like, anytime they're at the lockers, they're, like, being filmed slightly from above in a weird way. (laughs) Yep. And then they're facing the camera talking 
straightforward yep. but to each other. Yep. Yep. Everybody was, was always like, facing the camera. Yes, facing the camera. And then it was a lot of like hard cuts to just the next scene. There was never, but like it was clipping along enough that you weren't like totally like being dragged by the fact that there wasn't a very big story going on. Maybe the and tone has to do with the fact that like the POV was always the audience and never the characters. Mm. Like something about that. It was almost like a stage yeah. play in that way. Like where there was always yeah. just like bright wash lighting, like the weirdest, awkwardest characters that always faced us. And like that was it. Even the conversations like we were talking about, where it was two people facing each other, they would film it without the other person's like back in the shot. It was just straight right. on to the character I th- talking. <laughs> I think that's emphasized by the fact that there's no straight man in the movie. There's True. no like there's no normal person. Yes. Like everyone even like LaFonda shows up and she's a prime person to like come from the outside and be like well, you all are weird. <laughs> and even she's a weirdo. <laughs> she comes in and she doesn't she's like Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. She's like like she's walking around like she knows she's hot shit and she's beautiful, but she's not weirded out by any of this nonsense. She rolls she with it. She talks to Napoleon. Yeah. I still can't process them in a scene together. It's so funny. But it's like Yeah. And so it's it's such an it's so weird that that just makes me want to go into the characters which mm. is the standout character i feel like we're probably unanimous is kip yes he's he is the side character yes. he is so funny yes. in everything he says yes yes i laughed out loud at his delivery of everything he made the most mundane lines like just the funniest stuff and he was doing a silly voice he had such specific physicality like his appearance was bazonkers like it, and then he made the way that he he wrote poetry to la fonda and then had a makeover and then was just like see ya bro but <laughs> By the way, the the initial the initial scene when he's typing at the computer and he's muttering to himself, that was um the actor completely making things up on the spot. So everything we were overhearing, he was just doing that of his own volition. <laughs> so Oh my gosh. And then John, I feel like Napoleon as well, just like Oh yeah. was such such a strong lead like i feel like it's if you describe his character on paper it's an archetype we've seen before yeah and it's like an archetype that like any hollywood a-list actor could have filled yeah but i feel like he brought some kind of new wonky spin to it that made it so funny to watch yes like it didn't feel like something i've seen before it didn't the little choices of like the reoccurring thing of him talking with his eyes closed at random times 
where he's like talking to LaFonda with his eyes closed. <laughs> Why are his eyes closed all the time? <laughs> or like the slack jawedness of it. Or just like the way he would say things where he's just like, yeah, I've got nunchuck sales. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I think that feeds into the like realisticness of it where it's like it's so funny partially because it's like I feel like I've talked to someone who has said something in that way like we all knew an awkward high schooler who was like yeah it's a liger it's a mix between a lion and a tiger and you're just like oh but magic but it's magic <laughs> it's like, what are you saying right now his like school presentation, he went to the front of the class and just started going on about magical fantasy world things with his eyes closed. <laughs> he does the interpretive dance with his eyes closed too. <laughs> he does <laughs> The eyes closed was really like fifty percent of the choice. It was a good one. It was the eyes closed and the way he ran for me are like the two things that are the most Napoleon dynamite about that character. And the way that his, like, he had, like, two volume settings and they were just one step above the other. Like, <laughs> whenever he would be yelling, yeah. it would still be pretty quiet. Yeah. Like, he would yep. talk like this. And then when he'd be yelling, he would just be like, my gosh. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like, he would just put a little bit more oomph to it. But he was in no way That's raising true. his voice. true. His yelling was not loud at all. <laughs> You're a piece of crap. <laughs> it was just like... It's vicious. the way that, like, teenagers... When you're trying to like, you know, like your mom tells you to go do something and you're like, but you're like saying it under your breath so she doesn't hear as you walk away. Like that was how all of his lines were were said. What about Debbie? (laughs) I really love Debbie personally. She was fun. She was super fun. I didn't realize she had so much of an arc until I started describing the plot and what happened. But that girl really was on it. Like, she went from not being able to hold a conversation at the front door with Napoleon to, like, being a girl boss by the end. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a little bit... There's more of a story and an arc to the story than you think there is. Mm-hmm. I think that the mood... I think... Well, so I'll say that again for the humor portion because I have a, a, a new and developing thought on, like, why the humor works so well, I think. Oh, okay. But... Debbie, I think it's the same thing where it's like on paper, if you just describe, like if you're doing a little character audition description, I feel like it's like, oh, awkward girl, like is very shy, but she's got passions. It's like whatever. But like, again, I feel like they played it so, I don't even want to say earnestly because that makes it sound deep and powerful. Mm -hmm. They played it so real where it was just like so sincerely. She's just like, hi do you want to look like this? And like the way she just runs off or the way she's got like her cheeks stuffed with the peanut butter sandwich when he's like, do you drink 1% because you think you're fat? And the way she just looks stunned, like it's, she doesn't, like they never felt like they had to play the comedy up. They just let it happen. Yeah. And I think she was especially good at it. Where like she was, it was a very subdued performance where she's like, when she's coaching Uncle Rico through the photo shoot. And she's like, and now put your chin, your your fist beneath your chin. And now look to the side and picture yourself. <laughs> she says, like you're in the middle of the ocean, surrounded by seahorses. <laughs> 
Like, that is such a weird, stupid thing that a 15-year-old who's trying to run a photography studio would say. Yes. And so it's just like, she played it so well. She invented side ponytails. (laughs) She, Jojo Siwa wishes that she had the aggressive. She had every hair pulled over there. It was swift. I didn't like Rico, but that is props to that actor for playing such a, like, unlikable character. My issue is that he made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I said it during the movie. It just, he always felt horny. Very. And some, like, it's one of those things where the movie... I don't think it is, but it feels like one of those movies where I'm like, there's something deeper here. Mm-hmm. There's like a commentary happening here. And it's because of moments like Rico or that whole scene with Pedro when Pedro shaves his head. It's <laughs> so weird. But it's one of those where I'm like, is there like a is there like a is theme there like a happening there? Is there like a message? <laughs> right. What was that? When he just yeah. had a fever, so he said, Let me shave my head. And Rico was that way where it's like they'd played it up a couple times. Whenever he sits on the couch with Napoleon and Kip and plays for them the weird video of him throwing a football a bunch of times. And he like grabs Kip's knee instinctively. And then later, whenever he's like, they're definitely playing it up that he's like trying to seduce Debbie. And then he pulls out a breast reduction ad. And it's like. It was, like, scenes like that where I was like, okay, so you know what you're doing right. here. Like, this is not me misinterpreting it. Well, and it also and it just felt like every- with his um, Tupperware container sales, it felt like he was trying to bed every woman he went to. Right. Like, it felt like he was turned on in every conversation, no matter who he was talking to. Yeah. And so I was just like... I don't like this. Yeah. It, like, I, it was weird. Yes. And so, like, I'm not, like, I'm, it, that's not a full criticism of the movie. I don't even know what I'm saying. It's just one of those where I'm like, I don't know why it was uncomfortable, but it was. Yeah. And so I just didn't love when, when Uncle Rico was around. <laughs> it was just bizarre. It was weird. He was very weird. Very few appearances, but Rex, Quando was a standout character for me. Rex Quando, I liked him and I liked um what's her name, Tammy, his like his Hulk Hogan wife Tammy. Yep. Who's like super super ripped and she's like a delicate flower. She's like, "Oh, stop it, Rex." <laughs> she's like buffer than he is. Like she's so strong. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He did not make a lot of appearances. And there was the, uh, like, we meet him on the ad when someone just kicks him in the crotch and he doesn't move at all. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It was, we only needed the scene of him basically bringing Kip up there and saying, all right, hit me. And then he would just be like, "Uh," and then he would just (laughs) full slap him across the face. (laughs) Kip tried to do a spin move. He tried to do, like, a helicopter, like, twirly woo and <laughs> but he did it at level one at level speed. one with no speed or intention and 
Rex Quando just like moved his leg one inch up to avoid it and then just <laughs> slapped him across the face. Ow. It was so funny. Rex Quando. Um, Iconic. Pedro. Pedro was fun. We can't forget Pedro. And he had a very specific cadence of his voice that always ended on like an up. Almost like he was asking a question. How do, like, how do you mean? And then, and then he'd be like, and then I don't want to impersonate his act, his accent. Sure, but he'd be like, and then my head was hot, and then I took off my hat, and then I shaved my head. And it's like it always ends on an up. It was very specific. <laughs> he'd be like, "Are you going to take her to the dance?" <laughs> oh, because they're bullies. It was always, like, it was, like, not only did his face never move, but, like, the exact way he spoke was the most consistent thing in the whole movie. Yes. In that way, I felt like he and Napoleon were, like, kind of two peas in a pod, almost. Like, when they would stand next to each other, just, like, standing and staring, being so still and unmoving, they were, like, twins. But then, like, Napoleon Dynamite was like picking fist fights with his uncle by the end and like doing that ridiculous hip hop dance and Pedro would continue to just stand. Oh my gosh, Pedro was funny. Um I still don't understand what was going on with his fever and shaving his head and then he's wearing wigs for the rest of the movie. The wigs had like no another like no bearing on the plot other than to be like <laughs> Debbie also has wigs. Surprise. That could have been just like an establishing <laughs> shot. You could just show the wigs in the studio. I hope so the actor got paid extra for shaving his head. <laughs> yeah, they, they fully actually, he shaved his head. I can't believe And Hathaway that. thought she did something in Les Mis, but. <laughs> it was Frankenstein Don that I had to look up his character name. Okay, is that his character name? No, I just called him that because we uh, called him Frank. I was like, wow, we clocked it. No. He was putting his all into his performance. He only <laughs> knew like three facial expressions, but he was putting his all into it. He had a few facial expressions, but he only knew intensity level 1000. It was so intense. They were like, you're confused. And he's like, huh? And they were like, you're excited. And he was like, yeah! <laughs> And they were like, you're mean. He's like, ha, loser. It was a lot. Right. It was a lot. And and then I feel like people are just going to get bored. We're just listing off the entire cast. But I also wanted to point out Summer was like a very, again, realistic mean girl. Where it's like, I love the movie Mean Girls. But it's like, I've never in any high school seen a trio like the Plastics that is right. like, they're done up in the movie. Yeah. Summer, the way she like talked to people and the way she sauntered around, I was like, I know a bitch like this. Yep. Oh my god. Yep. Like she was very unlikable. And then she like worked um, at the general store and had the same <laughs> attitude there. She was like leaning against the register, like, ugh. Okay. <laughs> Did you have any other no like characters? No. Oh, wait. No, I do. The old man who shoots the cow. Just because I really appreciated 
his acting performance whenever they're all standing around eating the sandwiches. And he just goes, this is an exact quote, guys. He just goes, <laughs> sorry, hold on. He goes, he's like, Henry, and you're like, you fully believe that you're saying words, and such a relatable experience of all the kids like standing there looking at him, like pretending to listen to what he's saying. They're like, right, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they got paid like 30 cents for a full day of manual labor. Um, All right. The next discussion point is just, why is it good, though, in spite all of the odds? I think it's singular. Like, I think it's if you find the tone funny, you will love this movie. And if you don't, you will not love this movie. I was talking to somebody yesterday about it, and I was like, oh, we watched Napoleon Dynamite. And she was like, ugh, I can't stand that movie. And I was like, oh. (laughs) And she was like, did you like it? And I was like, yeah, I loved it. I had a great time with it. She was like, yeah, I just kept, like, waiting for it to get funny, and it never did. And I kind of realized there, I was like, yeah. So it does kind of stay on the same kind of humor and the same tone in the whole movie it never like escalates Mm -hmm. into a different like it never like crosses a genre or like has much dynamic to the tone so if you Mm -hmm. think that tone is funny then this movie is a huge success because it stays there well and it stays there consistently but if you don't find that funny if you don't vibe with those straight on awkward shots of a slack-jawed teenager going like then yeah you're not Mm -hmm. gonna think that this movie is very funny i have like maybe a couple thoughts on it i was listening to a video that basically described that this is a very polarizing movie in the sense of like people basically either love it or they Mm. hate it and it's a very divided group Mm -hmm. like on imdb it has a ton of one out of tens But then it has a ton of tens as well. Like it has like yeah, I saw the rating is like six, like the overall rating. It's like all over the place, and like back in the day, Netflix was trying to improve their algorithm and like figure out how to recommend movies to people better based on what they Mm -hmm. watched. And so they like basically like posted and were like, "We'll give like money to people who can like actually improve our algorithm." And so like all kinds of stuff was done. And consistently, once they were developing the algorithm, Mm -hmm. like they were able to recommend people, you know, movies based on what they watched and people would actually watch them is the thing. Not just that it's like a related movie, but like, how do we recommend movies that they will actually then click Uh on and watch? And consistently, every single person, the hardest movie for them to figure out who to recommend it to was Napoleon Interesting. Dynamite. They could not figure it out. It is just a very specific movie that like even the algorithm is like, I don't know. That's so and cool. that's so interesting. I think that it is exactly what you said. It's kind of the same thing the whole time and that gets into my humor commentary. But also like I think that it's a stupid movie. For it's sure. meant to just be stupid little stupid yeah. jokes. 
But I think that it get. I think what sets it apart and what makes it more charming is that it doesn't overdo the stupid. Yeah. Like so many comedy movies that come out nowadays, like Twenty One Jump Street. I'll just pull one out of a hat. It's like if you've seen that movie with uh, Channing Jonah Tatum Hill. and Jonah Hill, like it's a comedy and it's stupid, and so thus. It is crazy the whole time. It is crazy antics. Yeah. It's over the top. It escalates it's and out escalates of this world. to like beat the previous scene. Right. Yeah. And so then some people are just like, oh, that was just dumb. And I think with and then I think with Napoleon Dynamite, it doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. It has like a very simple plot. It has the hero's journey, really. It's got, like, Napoleon's inciting incident. He trains. He fails against Summer and her dance crew. Uh He's victorious at the end. He gets the girl. Like, it's literally all of that, like, typical story stuff does happen in the movie. But it's not, like, it's like a subversion of, like, a crazy, silly movie doesn't have to have, can't, it's not that it can't, it has to have a crazy, silly plot. And a serious movie doesn't have to have a super serious mm-hmm. plot either. Like, it's like that these things do not have to be like a rise and fall together. They don't have to correspond necessarily. Yeah. Which that gets into my humor, which we can just blend sure. these last two. But I was going to say earlier that I realized that it made me think of Mamma Mia, mm. where there's that one scene that cuts away to Rosie in the boat and she falls out of the <laughs> boat and then we just cut away from it and it's like, Okay, what was that? <laughs> but that's this whole, whole movie. movie. And so if that's your sense of humor, mm-hmm. of just like random little out of context scenes where you're like, what the heck? And then you just move on and like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. It is back to back to back to back. But it's so, if that's your sense of humor, it's just like constantly rewarding yes. you with that type of comedy, yes. the whole movie. Yeah. I don't really have anything to add. I think that you very much nailed that. And I think that I find that funny. And so I liked this movie. And I think I get that from my dad. Because yeah. my dad loves slapstick humor. Like that is his thing. He mm-hmm. thinks that like the Pink Panther movies, those are like his favorite movies. He loves um, Get Smart. Um, anything in that realm, he's such a sucker for. And he has this hilarious laugh my dad is typically a very like reserved person but he i think i've told you this story before Mm -hmm. he has such a hilarious laugh that like when there's a movie that he finds funny it's like a contagious laughter that just like spreads to everybody and his friends used to like take him to the movie theaters to see a movie multiple times so that they could like watch him watch it and there was just as much enjoyment like of his reaction as there was in the movie and it made the movie funnier. And the whole time I was watching this, I was just like, I would pay the $600 round ticket fee to go home and watch my dad watch Napoleon Dynamite. I think that right. would be hilarious. I, don't, I feel like we mentioned them very naturally. I'm trying to think if there was any super funny parts that I have to mention before we... Because that's the end of our discussion. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Just any of the Kip lines. We skipped past the weird time machine that was bought off of eBay. Maybe that's what finally curbed um, Rico's like relentless sex, sex drive. drive. Because it hurt him. Maybe. I don't know. 
<laughs> I'm going to really quickly just run through the entirety of my notes from this movie. Napoleon Dynamite is his name? The karate scene. These are so disjointed. What is the plot here? I would die for Napoleon. <laughs> A twist at the that's end. It. That's The tone shifted. That's all I wrote in the whole movie. I think that I would die for him came after the tater tot scene where he like said a line and then like the millisecond his sentence was done he was like and he like shoved it in his mouth like really quick and then he put a bunch of in his pocket for later and then the bully like smashed them all in his pocket and i was like oh and they stayed real crispy He popped that tot in his mouth in class like it was a fresh out the fryer French fry. The Foley artist and I was, was like, like they I have been- know what sound a tater tot makes. Copy paste. Okay, guys. Let's get into the parental guidance of Napoleon Dynamite. Uh-oh. Might want to skip ahead. Or grab your parents because this next section requires some parental guidance. Hey guys, welcome to the parental guidance segment. This is the segment of the show where we just discuss why we maybe weren't allowed to see the movie or why we haven't seen it. I obviously had seen this movie and was raised watching it as a family. So it was super available and open in my house. (laughs) Rebecca, interested to hear your thoughts. I think this falls into the like stupid movies that my mom wasn't a fan of. Uh-huh. And honestly, I see her point. Again, I yeah. feel like I always come back to like if I was a parent with seven kids and like your mom really embraced it and went for it. So I'm not saying like this isn't like a dig against your mom at all. But like I can see the perspective of like I don't want my kids doing that, so I'm not going to let them watch it. Uh-huh. I think my, I think that's really what it comes mom- down to because it wasn't like there wasn't language, there were no like all the innuendos I feel like we're barely innuendos. You know what I mean? Like, it's more of a vibe than anything else. Um, Like, it's relatively very clean. And it's just, like, a silly, goofy movie. There's no, like, even, like, deeper meaning to, like, disagree with, like, Mrs. Doubtfire, you know? My mom didn't like stupid things either. She just had, you know, maybe a different definition. And when it was stupid things, she would more just, like not ban them but she wouldn't encourage them like we were not a spongebob household because she thought he was annoying yep same it's pretty clean i don't even know what it's rated i guess like the standards for g are pretty regular rigorous right i was gonna say why is it even rated pg but i guess words like crap yeah and like people falling off of like atvs right and getting slammed in the face with steaks Stuff like that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, pretty simple, pretty easy PG. I guess nothing else to add? Not really. I remember wanting to watch this movie, but it either being directly discouraged or indirectly discouraged. I also feel like my friend group wasn't really a fan of Napoleon Dynamite. It was more so when I became a teenager and I got access to the internet and I would, like, see memes or see like people at halloween parties dressed up like it and it was like a cult classic that i was like man i kind of wish i was in on this joke because everybody seems to find this funny and then i just never really took the time to watch it interesting yeah okay then let's get to 
What's the next segment? The next segment is Thoughts and Prayers. When times get tough, we offer Thoughts and Prayers. Thoughts and everybody welcome to thoughts and prayers the segment where we just offer up some thoughts and prayers in you'll get it as we go i'll go first i'm nervous i'm nervous that we have one of the same one me too and just given how our thoughts and prayers have gone i feel like i'm kind of confident that we have the same one i would just like to send up a thoughts and prayers for that tater tot that was taken for us too soon It truly did not see the end coming. And maybe that was better for it in the end. There was no agony. Just the instant death. Is this the tots in his pocket? It's the tot that he barely got the end of his sentence before devouring like a cannibal. (laughs) He moved so fast. He moved faster in that shot than he did the rest of the whole movie. Including when he was running at a dead sprint. He harnessed all of his nunchuck skills to that <laughs> move. I forgot about the nunchucks. May she rest in peace. That one was so specific. <laughs> I wrote these My during the first... movie, so they're specific. This is the only one that I wrote during the movie. Mm-hmm. And this is the one that I'm scared we might have in common. Go for it. My thoughts and prayers go out to all of the people murdered by Pedro's cousins anytime they were off screen. (laughs) (laughs) I did not have that. They they were doing drive-bys by day. And Pedro for president at night. I love those guys. I did too. They were some of my favorite characters. But also, come on. Come on. (laughs) Wow. Then the the one we might have in common is on the loose still. Okay. Here it is for me. Oh. Thoughts and prayers for those snow boots who were barely hanging on and yet managed to have a starring role in every single scene. (laughs) did their paycheck get adjusted is the real question (laughs) the snow boots i forgot about the snow boots that was like one of the funniest parts of pedro's whole entire ensemble napoleon what a guy what what a fashion icon wow the snow boots i can't believe he did that in the heat Uh, yeah i mean it looked hot it looked really hot i guess everyone was wearing jeans but still snow boots are insulated (laughs) my thought my my next thoughts and prayers go out for uncle rico that's all the end (laughs) okay i've got a good piggyback off of that one (laughs) no further comments (laughs) thoughts and prayers specifically for rico's arteries because he only eats steak and milk 
for this whole movie's <laughs> runtime. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's so he's weird. Be- it's because he just has cholesterol like <laughs> coursing through his body. <laughs> he's turning into something subhuman. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so so um, my next thoughts and prayers goes out to Kip. I hope that he become he grows and becomes a proper ally being married to LaFonda. I think he's got the spirit. I think he's got the heart. He's a little um, confused, think, but think, he got the right spirit. I think, I, think, I think she could help maybe direct him towards the right causes. I think a part of it was him definitely becoming what LaFonda hoped to see in him. So maybe there's growth to be had on both sides. I feel like you're giving Kip, you're trying to soften the blow with Kip. (laughs) LaFonda clearly was smitten at first sight. True, but LaFonda also gave him that big blingy chain. But she did not give him the do rag. (laughs) (laughs) Kip... Kip went too far. You could already say that we see evidence that they have, you know, grown. Because by the time we get to the wedding, we're not seeing that nonsense anymore. That's true. That's true. He has moved on to his songwriting era. I love technology, but not as much as you, you see. (laughs) That would have been a good thoughts and prayers. Oh, man. (laughs) Thoughts and prayers to technology. (laughs) (laughs) For having being to suffer deprived Kip's of Kip's love. love. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> okay. okay. I have another very specific one. Okay. Cast your mind to Summer's dance after her speech for president. Thoughts and prayers for the girl in the Happy Hands dance troupe who is no less than a foot taller than everybody else and therefore will never be able to get out of that middle spot for every dance of her life. Mm, mm, it's it's specific, I know that but spot she well. is quite tall and she is rocking that center stage. I, I've been there. You've been there. Everybody who has an awkward no. growth spurt knows... You get stuck right in the middle, and you're, you are usually not really the best dancer, but you're so tall you can't be put anywhere else on the stage or it'll throw everything off. When I think of that scene, she's like the only one I remember. There you go. She owned because, it. Because she's so tall. Yep. <laughs> hey, another, another tick in, in all of the boxes of realism that this movie checks. This movie um, is just a raw slice of life. <laughs> I've never heard that phrase. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, thoughts and prayers to the writers and actors who just made this in their spare time between projects to keep busy, but then Boom! We're forced to do a whole press tour and premieres. Suddenly things got very serious. Yep. When they were just fooling around. They made this movie in less time than some people take for, like, vacation. Yeah. They blitzed it. They made this They made this movie in about how long it takes us to record and then release a podcast episode. That's wild. 
I feel like so many good thoughts and like ri- little, like tiny thoughts and prayers come to me during the segment. Should we just rapid fire? Because I was thinking thoughts and prayers to all- every hair on Debbie's head. <laughs> so, Can we have thoughts and prayers for Rico's footballs, who I feel like have been through experiences that nothing should, and I don't even know what I'm or s- why, but that they were touched by I'm Rico. Scared. I'm scared. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of footballs, and that was a big video camera. I feel like there's lots of footage that the world should not see. Oh, (laughs) no. Thoughts and prayers to the color baby blue for being Rico's choice of wardrobe in every outfit he wears, apparently. (laughs) He wears that entire baby blue track suit, and then, like, his button-up shirts are baby blue. He's got a theme going. Thoughts and prayers for Pedro's home life and whatever is going on that would inspire such a come apart as a teenager. He's sitting in a bath with candles surrounding him in a hot bath. And he's like, why am I sweating so much? And then he's just standing alone in a kitchen and just buzzes his hair. Where was everybody? I saw that party. There were like 8,000 people in his family. Where were any of them when he needed them the most? They see him, but they don't see him. (laughs) I like the rapid fire thoughts and prayers. (laughs) Thoughts and prayers for whatever had to happen to create Dawn. There was a lab... There were multiple donors. There there was the FBI shutting it all down. He's the only thing that escaped alive out of that experiment. I just remembered a thoughts and prayers. I originally had six, and it wasn't in my notes. I had an official thoughts and prayers. Uh Uh-huh. Thoughts and prayers for ligers, for the way that they are (gasps) depicted by Napoleon Dynamite in his drawings. (laughs) Thoughts and prayers for anything that Napoleon Dynamite sets his eyes on and picks up a pencil to describe. Did you see Tasha? Or whatever her name was. I think her name was Tasha. Uh, Not Tasha. He's like, it took me a really long time to get the shading on your upper lip right. Oh, my gosh. Um, Thoughts and prayers for all of the housewives (laughs) around that little town who also couldn't get a vibe read on Rico. I'll tell you who did get a vibe read. A vibe read. Tammy. She saw through the veil on that one. Tammy truly saw into the next plane of existence and actually understood Rico on all fronts. <gasps> but to be fair, if you're married... <laughs> this is the longest... <laughs> if you're married to Rex Kwon Do, you gotta be all there. I mean, if he catches you slacking, wow, she she knows what's she, up. Oh, <laughs> Thoughts and prayers to the United States flag code for the way that Rex Violated. Kondo breaks every rule with Violated. those pants. Thoughts and prayers for okay. any child who accidentally <laughs> got shot, and that's why the guns are now up on that shelf instead of down in reach We're, for everybody. Where he can't reach them? Yep. Okay, I have one more official thoughts and prayers. Oh my oh my god. This one's gonna be so long. That's fine, you can cut okay. out as many of these as you want. 
thoughts okay. and prayers for uh, whatever inciting incident caused Napoleon to not be able to make a phone call in any sort of proximity to somebody else. He needs absolute privacy. He takes the phone <laughs> off the wall and walks four miles to get to his destination before he even starts speaking. And he does this multiple times in the movie. And my favorite is when he's outdoors with it. Yeah. <laughs> he's outside and the cord is going inside still. What phone cord was ever that long? Okay. All right. It's on to the best part, worst part segment after the the end game of all thoughts and prayers segments. My God. For those that listened, thank you. And for those who skipped right to the end, we get you. Here it is, best part, worst part. Here we are, the moment you've all been waiting for. I will say it was easy for me to pick a worst part. It was difficult for me to pick a best part. Yes. Yes. You go first. (laughs) I want to know your best part. For me, the best part of this movie has got to be that initial phone conversation between Napoleon and Kip. The whole... The the interaction of the, can you come pick me up? No, why not? Because I'm busy as he's looking at a plate of nachos. And then, well, can you at least bring my chapstick? And him saying, no, there's probably four or five in the nurse's drawer. Just use one of hers. And him being like, a no. It was so funny. And it's such like a mundane conversation that was like, had me on the ground, like unable to breathe laughing because it was just so funny. And it just like set the tone for the rest of the movie. And it was just, it would like whenever I think about the movie, I keep coming back to that scene. Like I want to go back and rewatch that scene. Did I take your best part? That was my best <gasps> part. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it is difficult to pick a best part though, because it's just a, con- a collection of funny scenes. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like the whole movie. But yeah. so that was mine. But. If I have to pick another one, my next instinct is to go for Debbie's first scene when she shows up on the doorstep. Yeah. And she shows Napoleon a beautiful picture of a woman and asks if he wants to look like that. And he just goes, (laughs) this is a picture of a girl. And she just says, oh, well, if you subscribe to my magazine, like she she just ignores what he said. (laughs) She just keeps selling it. And he's like. I don't need to get that taken care of, but thank you. And she's like, well, what about my keychains? I'm trying to pay for college. Like, she's just like, come on, man. She rolls with it. And then that her solution to her business not going well is she just dumps it all on him. Done, (laughs) I guess. I just think that scene's funny. It is. And I think that it's a fun introduction of Deb. Love it. So So that's my best part. Love it. Now I'm worried that we might have the same worst part. We do. It's another Deadpool situation, but go ahead. Okay. Um, For me, the worst part of this movie was by far no question the scene where Rico offered Deb the flyer for a breast augmentation. Never mind, we don't. (laughs) Oh, interesting. The whole scene was really skeevy, and then that part... 
like felt like we were supposed to be like a oh phew it was just an innuendo but then when you think about a grown man offering a teenage girl a flyer for a breast augmentation that's still skeevy and weird that's weird to look at a what a 15 16 year old girl and being like do you want bigger boobs that's weird that's super weird yeah no yeah no arguments here not cool i think I think that there's really two spots in the movie that you can pick as best as as worst part, and they're both ones where it's just like, like don't love that morally. And Uh so my worst part was Kip dressing as a black man. Essentially, I did chuckle. I will admit, but it was more because of like the little Kip isms than it was that it was funny for a white man to be wearing a do rag and such. Right. Um, There was definitely for me a big shock factor with that reveal. I think if they went the route of like, she was trying to what you said of, she was trying to make him out to be that way. Mm -hmm. I guess I wish they were more over overhanded with it because Mm. the way that it came across to me was that because he's dating a black woman he's becoming like a black man and like the most the most we got of it was her giving him the chain and i don't for me personally think that was enough to carry it to the the next scene he's in like a full do-rag and a big sweat jacket and he's like talking more gangster and it's very stereotype sure and so I just didn't appreciate that. And it's not like it's something that carried on too much past that. Like I said, when we get to the post credit scene, he's not dressed like that at all. I think I did interpret it as him, like, trying to become what she wanted versus that. But it was, it, it was not clarified. Like, that wasn't, that's an assumption sure. that I'm making. Um, yeah. Sure. Also, just a honorable mention worst part was the mascot of their school and the various cartoon depictions throughout on the school walls that was hasn't aged well although i'm sure is wildly accurate right so rebecca would you say that this movie was worth the hype i absolutely would yes Yes. Nothing but a big yes from me. It was worth it. It was better than I thought it would be. I'm really glad that I had never seen like clips from the movie and knew about the Mm -hmm. tone and the pace and the delivery. I had only ever seen stills. And I think that that was a delightful reveal that had exactly the effect. Like it was very successful because of that. Um, definitely worth worth the hype for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A fantastic. Hey, okay. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Late to the Watch Party. Um, if you liked it, let us know. You can send us an email at late to the watch party at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram under the same names. Um, all of our socials are on our Instagram, and we would love to hear from you. There's also going to be a question and answer on this episode on Spotify for sure. Is that also an Apple podcast or just on Spotify? Only Spotify. Apple podcast, get with it. Um, But you can go on Spotify. You can answer that question. Let us know what you thought of Napoleon Dynamite. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Let us know. Um, And we will see you guys next week. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.
Insert ending quote here. Is your slushie ordered? No, but I'll just order it during the movie. Okay. Because I need to decide. Because I want us. Because here's the thing. Oh God. And I just, I just don't think you're gonna understand who I am. I want a slushie, but I also need a beverage. Bold of me to I, assume that those could I, be the same thing. I can, I can elaborate. It's. I don't know how, if I like, want you to elaborate. <laughs> This is just a me thing. It's similar to how if I have like ice cream, that doesn't like if I want a drink that doesn't fulfill it. And so like milkshakes are the same way. Like if I have a milkshake, I usually want like a water with it because I'm sure water. I can understand slushies are the same way where I'm like, I can drink a slushie, but to me, it's not the same as drinking like just a normal liquid beverage Either but it is because here's the thing about slushies is hey, it hey, is hey, literally hey, hey, hey. a drink with frozen a frozen component to it versus like it just, a milkshake is like a whole dessert that's <laughs> blended up that's different there's like sugar there's like okay sugar was a bad example there's like you know <laughs> like ice cream isn't just like a liquid that's cold like ice cream is a cold food <laughs> do you hear what i'm saying but do i don't feel that you hear what i'm saying because i'm not making objective statements here <laughs> i'm saying that for me and my preferences i need a slush i want a slushy but i'm also thirsty and a slushy is not going to do that. It's not going to satisfy my thirst. Okay. Because to, to, to my body, it's not a beverage. It's like a treat. Okay. 